this is going to be a, a, a little bit of a departure from some of the other episodes that we have, even episodes that will be uh, after this particular podcast. We're introducing a new concept, something that's been on our hearts and souls for a while, and that is to make film. So you have someone who is trained in making film, and me. <laughs> so Valerie, you've been interested in making film. When did that start? How did that start? I have an active imagination that started in childhood. And the one thing I will say is I imagined a world where I was a star and I had an audience full of my stuffed animals. We, in my home, there's an old record player and I used to act out this thing, this musical opening for like a TV show because I don't know uh, shows from the 70s and 80s they had always this elaborate opening like for Vegas and um, I think Fantasy yeah. Island, The Love Boat, um, Dynasty, Falcon Crest like these shows had elaborate openings and then you would see the actors kind of turn to the camera and look all you know dramatic or whatever but I didn't realize that back then I was thinking like a filmmaker because I was thinking like, where did they shoot that? Like what angles did they use? But I wasn't, I wasn't using those strong terms at like eight, nine, 10 years old. But as I got older, I started to discover this was a love that I had. And so, yeah, the, I feel like the filmmaker has been budding in me since I was a kid. I just didn't know what to call it back then, but I'm grateful now that I can make a childhood dream come true by putting some of the thoughts that I've written and shoot it and have wonderful actors bring it to life. And right now, really what we're doing was we're speaking something into existence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people say that, oh, you should try to do that. Well, let's see, because that's what we're doing right now. We're speaking this thing into existence. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. We would like to thank our local title sponsor for supporting Interludes A1 Pestmasters. This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, Montevia Coffee and Tea. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago. This is Making the Movie, part one. As I walk the streets of Hollywood Boulevard, big and hard it was for those who starred in the movie, portraying the roles of butlers and maids, slaves and hoes. Intelligent black men seem to look uncivilized when on the screen. Like, I guess I figure you should play some jigaboo on the plantation. What else can I do? And black women in this profession, after playing a lawyer, out of the question. For what they played, Angel Mama is the perfect term. Even if now she got a perm. So let's make our own movies like Spike Lee. Cause the rules being more, but don't strike me. There's nothing that the black man could use to earn. Earn, earn, earn Hollywood, burn. Uh, we're speaking something into existence. We're speaking something into life. And as of July the 26th, the day that we started talking right now, 
there are just the uh, sketch bare bones idea of what this movie will be. There is a screenplay copywritten. So fighters, haters step off. So it is a copywritten screenplay. It's there. And it's what was going to come into existence. So at the end of this process that we're in, and this is the first part of a multi-part process that we are starting, uh, there will be a film. And that film will be able to be widely viewed anywhere in the world, at least on this planet, possibly on others. And I can say for me, it started as a dream for me. Mm -hmm. um, as a kid, when I would dream, and that would be just about every single night uh, without fail, at times I dreamed movies. Mm. I literally dreamed movies. And I know literal is one of those words everyone says, you didn't literally dream. No, what by that, what I mean is that when I went to sleep before the story of my dream started, there was, there were titles, there were screen titles, there was a cast. And at times it would either say it was written or directed by me. And it would fade into the actual narrative of the dream. So I believe that truly. I mean, I was there on the, I believe the dolly. I was in the sky with the shot beginning high to low, bringing it down into, into the space, you know, of the neighborhood. So I always dreamed that. I didn't know mm -hmm. that it couldn't be done. Thank goodness that I think both you and I came around at a time where there were so many people, and by that I don't mean great numbers, but there were so many people who had stepped up, and by that a half dozen or so, to say that you can do this too, that I really believe that I could do it too. I didn't come up thinking that, oh, because I am African-American or because I came from this neighborhood or this experience that I could not make film. Mm -hmm. I saw people like Julie Dash. I did not structure the story, how the story unfolds in the traditional um, European way of telling uh, the tall tale, once upon a time, and then the story unfolds. Uh, what I did instead was to create a new structure that I call my griot structure and the way uh, the story is told in the way an African griot would recall and recount a family's history. Now, if you know anything about African griots, you know there's this special clan of people and they are hired to come in to, uh, you know, wedding ceremonies, birthing ceremonies, funeral ceremonies, naming ceremonies and they recall and recount a family's history over a period of days. And all of this is in the griot's head. That's their, that's their position in the community to recall and recount family histories. So it kind of like unfur unfurls in a way that is not structurally similar to um, European storytelling. I saw yeah. uh, people like Charles Burnett like uh, Spike Lee, um, I saw John Singleton come up 
you know, as someone who was still, I was still in high school when that happened. So I believe firmly that, hey, if they could do it, if they had this ability, then I could do it. And then listening to those folks, reading, you know, books by Donald Bogle, looking back into Oscar Micheaux's career, looking back at uh, Melvin Van Peoples and seeing that this could be done. It has been done. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not in the same numbers, but it's possible. And the experience of the 90s, the 2000s, some of the people I know that are your personal heroes, uh, you know, it's just this is a real thing. This can be a real thing. So as we begin this process, who, who, who do you looking at? Who are your role models? Who are the people that you are looking at? is providing a blueprint for what what we're going to accomplish. Uh, well, I will I will say this. Um, there are a few um, filmmakers that started out definitely in different genres or different a completely different career. Uh, Ava DuVernay, for example, I believe was a publicist. She worked in she worked around the entertainment industry, but she wasn't a filmmaker. And she did a few independent films I will follow and, and a few other things. And that started to catch the, the eyes of folks. Uh, Lee Daniels, um, Precious, and I think he did some other independent films as well. And then eventually he became, I think, yeah, they both became showrunners on their own shows that came on uh, network television. It's just getting around other like-minded individuals and you know making sure that you have the vision and that people mm-hmm. are excited about supporting your vision yeah and i think we know enough people between the two of us to gather a pretty tight team to make it happen i feel like the techie I'm, i feel like the person that would know about you know um you know f FPS frames per second and you know if we're going to need a server to upload it onto a server uh, what kind of camera angles that I'm going to be looking to see um, via you know but the great thing is is that it would be great to bring on folks that have the same love for getting a vision done and their love is in a very very specific specific um field like if someone loves recording audio and they're passionate about making sure that the actors are being heard and they have Mm -hmm. a special way that they record the the audio you know we want that person me and you we would want that person if someone is very expert in on lighting they do they use a light meter and they're measuring the distance between the camera and the actor and and saying, okay, well, we're shooting in the sun, but we got to make sure the sun is setting, so we have to adjust for that. We want someone that is so nerdy, that's so detailed-oriented when it comes to that, that, yes, we, we, we need you for this so we can make that happen. And then editing. I, I love editing to a point, but editing means that you're making a whole lot of decisions, so it would be great to work alongside of another editor that could help with the process of making those decisions, but ends up on the cutting room floor. Although 
with digital technology, nothing's on the, the technical floor. It's uh, it's a trash can, electronic trash can. <laughs> on a Mac or a PC. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of this, I think, goes back to vision, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, without without vision, people perish, right? So uh -huh. make sure that you have an idea of what it's going to look like. So let's mm -hmm. let's go let's go big picture here. Is um, I think from our conversations, one of the things that we want to do is promote life. We want to talk about people's real experiences. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about what it means to be a human, to be fully human be fully uh, understood. And we're trying to focus in on characters, on experiences, on communities that don't necessarily receive that right now. And that may not be, you know, strictly uh, within the lines of ethnicity or gender or economic. Uh, right background it may be a mixture of all of those um you know one person of one ethnicity and another person the same one they may not have the same experience so we're looking at mm -hmm. a very kind of universal experience one that has not been uh fully articulated on the screen um with regularity uh -huh. because of that that means that there are things that we are interested in creating and things that we're less interested in creating, things <laughs> that have already have a home in yeah. the uh, film marketplace. Uh, degradation already has a place in the film marketplace. Negativity already has a place in the film marketplace. Uh, stereotypes already have uh, more than their fair share of space oh do they so oh. so there's no need to add into that uh they they've already made it uh what we want to do is to make things that uh speak to a authentic experience mm -hmm. be a little bit quirky might be a little bit offbeat <laughs> not necessarily one that is the standard but yet is still universal and i gotta say uh big picture that's why i'm i'm really excited that we're starting with this particular project um yeah. and i hesitate to give it a name uh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it an untitled project at this point it's gonna be an untitled project Untitled X. It's Hollywood's first black acting school. It teaches you everything. Classes are enrolling now. Learn to play TV pimps, movie muggers, street punks. Courses include Jive Talk 101, Shuffling 200, Epic Slaves 400, Dial 1-800-555-COON. Don't try to be cool. Call Hollywood's first black acting school. Okay. There so the go. thing that I'm really excited about Untitled X is that 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 when you began to talk about Untitled X again, I remembered reading it from six, seven years earlier or longer, right? Mm -hmm. Ten years, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I didn't say anything, but but this 
but but what I'm my point is that I remember this, you know, despite all of the changes that have been happening in life, I still remember reading this and remember the story. Mm-hmm. So it was a memorable story. And I was excited about the idea that, oh, this is going to finally become something where other people can share in that experience. Yeah. Um, so, so just give us a little bit, if you can, background on that. And the fact that, you know, this was nearly a project that almost was made, was in a process of being, you know, at a studio at some point. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I definitely can. The Untitled X, I finished the first draft, I want to say, in the spring of 1999. I was already writing other things, other shorts, and I said, let's let me write the feature and I based it on something that happened to me for real one scene in the screenplay is real like it really happened and then everything else is kind of fictionalized to cater to that um, to that one incident that happened and I wrote it Uh, I went to grad school I moved to New York I went to grad school and then I reached out to grad school for what I went to oh I went to grad school for 3D animation and special effects for film. Right. We we're talking about film, right? So I learned how to do special effects, 3D titling, all these things via the tech side of things. I had to learn a lot of new programs. Uh, many people. I I went to grad school in my 30s, so I did not know like myself and you. We were we were at North Central when we did anything technical. It was analog. It was real to real. We did those Black History Month, um, those little shorts. Do you remember those? We did that on real to real. Recorded it into a mic and recorded it on a real to real. When I edited a music video and some other things that we've done. I remember we did a Black History Month thing celebration. That was done on a three-quarter inch machine and things were transferred to VHS and other mediums. But all of that stuff, Adobe, Final Cut, knocked all of that stuff out of the window. Like, And I was going to grad school having to learn how to do everything. And people walked in the door knowing Photoshop. The people walked in the door knowing Illustrator. So people walked in the door knowing Adobe Premiere or soft homage or maya i didn't so i felt part of my brain oozing out of my left ear but i i I did it full time i struggled through i i got my master's in two years i started working a little bit in the industry and then i was thinking you know what let me go back to my screenplay that i wrote and see if i can get it pitched so i contacted someone from uh, my undergrad at north central he hooked me up with a person that was working for MGM and I flew out to Los Angeles and pitched it. It almost got picked up and it didn't happen. What didn't happen was is that I didn't further pursue it when the when it came out to say, hey, this can happen. And I said, you know what, I found I don't want to sell it. I decided at that point because studios can buy and I don't want to mention which studio it was, but studios can buy Um, screenplays and they can sit up on the shelf and just but what they've done is they've purchased it from you as a screenwriter 
and you can't produce it or do anything else with it or you can be sued and then they'll pay you anything that you know 10,000 20,000 maybe up to maybe a hundred thousand depending on what they feel it's worth and mm-hmm. I think at the time that I pitched which was 2005 African Americans in television and as well as film we were there but not like we are right now like there's a demand right now but it it was it was starting to come around. I think Grey's Anatomy just hit the scene, and Chandra Rhimes did like this. Hey, we we got we got the black people of people of power in the background, but uh, my main characters are white, and I have a diverse uh, situation happening. But I want you to pay attention. And then she was able to kind of follow up with private practice. And then before we knew it, boom, we had Scandal, where the there was a black woman lead, and that was a huge deal for a black showrunner to have three network um, dramas on one day. The only producer that's done that for ABC was Aaron Spelling and Douglas Kramer with their Dynasty and other shows. So Chandra like broke the color line and saying black people can showrun and we can we can produce. So I was really excited to see what was happening. Anyway, I'm just grateful. The screenplay went through another uh, workshop and at NYU, and now I'm thinking it's time to produce it. And then my parents are not around to, you know, dispute against it because it's about them. <laughs> so that's how that works. And I believe, yeah, Michael is, he will be right back after these messages. I'm not trying to meet another man. If you can't deny it. Girl, the man wears sex like a coat. If you try to fight it. Should I call him? Should I not call him? Who the hell knows? If you won't admit it. This is nothing serious. This is not a love thing. Then you got the Jones. Lorenz Tate. Neil Long. Love Jones. This is for you. Wait, wait a minute. You made breakfast. <laughs> Rated R. Start Friday, March 14th. Okay, the technical aspects of this. We're going to be doing something that will be a little bit difficult just because the necessity to get equipment to uh, have places, locations to shoot and um, to actually uh, have schedules that work out. In terms of the planning, uh, how involved do you see yourself in, in putting that together and making sure that that works. I'd like to think of myself as the producing coordinator. So okay, that would be the person that would make sure that the actors have their their schedules. We have a table read. We could have a table read in, in my backyard and see how things work. Mm-hmm. We could, um, I probably would be thinking about other play, indoor places, I would probably be do, uh, doing location shooting or location scouting along with someone else that knows how to do it well. And um, and then also there'll be about two or three filmmakers that, I, that have actually done this already that will be our advisors, people that, you know, they've, they've done this before. So they'll let us know um, when, once you've gone ahead and made those plans and you have a shoot date you know that you're shooting scenes three, seven, and nine, going through the screenplay and making sure that every scene is numbered. Uh, Michael, you'll be directing, so 
as a director, what do you need as, you know, to make sure that things run smoothly for you and working with the actors? So I believe rehearsal time and table reads, that's something that you could be responsible for. But just knowing that there is a way to organize things and everybody is on the same page, literally, that would be me in, in coordinating that type of thing. So, yeah. And what's the, what's the message of the of the film? What would you say overall is the message of the film? What you want to have viewers uh, come away with after they have seen uh, Untitled Acts? That your hope can spring eternally, and that your your dreams can happen, even if reality is jacked up. Yeah, I you know. Without giving, without giving out, without giving too much away, that's how that's how I'd, I'd like to frame it. The main character is a is a dreamer, and a lot of times we use dreams to escape our reality because our reality is like, ah, it's not too good. However, there is happiness on the other side of being a being a dreamer, being a person that is hopeful for the future, and so that's I I hope people will walk will walk away with that that thought process. Okay. I didn't go to film school. Did I get into a film school? Yes, actually, I did get into a film school. You did? I, I, yeah, I did. I did. I mean, see, I mean, I don't sit around and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I did. Uh, I applied. I sent stuff out. And then I got oh. accepted somewhere. And, and at the time, I did not have the, the money or felt like, like I had the time commitment to do it. So I continued mm -hmm. to work and I did. And I, I, at that point, chose writing, being paid to write professionally uh, over trying to, to create something visually. Um, okay. uh, I now would like to go back to creating something visually. I know that I have that skill set. I don't need mm -hmm. anyone to give me a piece of paper that tells me that I have that skill set. I know I know how to do it. I've been doing it all my life. I came in here with that. I have done things to hone other aspects of it. Um, I might need refreshment on the technical aspects of it, but as far as storytelling, yeah, I know how to tell a story. Right. Well, I think what you need is the the fearless um, pursuit of the the goal to get it done. I feel like that is many films are made that are done and you're going, wow, that really wasn't that great or that film was was okay. But then you think, you know what? They made it. They made a film. They came Absolutely. together and yes. and and to me that screams that those that skill set of being like a project manager or an organizer or someone that can be able to put a team together to put a because it, it takes a team to put a film together it really does it takes a, a talented team to put a film together and all you need is those folks to be committed to the vision of the film and it gets done and you're off to the races so i i learned how to put teams together in school at nyu and I was grateful for the experience. I 
spent many hours behind a, a computer animating things. But other than that, I was very grateful for the experience of, of NYU and being taught how to put teams together and to have those relationships of saying, I, okay, you're going to do sound. Oh, okay, you're going to do lighting. Oh, oh, we need someone to handle these the cards, to the, the cue cards to say, okay, this person is going to be saying this <laughs> and it's going to look directly at the camera and say this. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for our Untitled X Project. Because I believe we are going to attract a very great team to get it done. He makes the best films. He makes the best films. If I ever meet him, I'm going to grab his neck and just shake him. And say thank you. Thank you for making such excellent movies. This one's called Martin Scorsese. Next time on Interludes, she's an actress, director, mother and wife with a spiritual longevity in the TV film industry. From one of my favorite classic films, Love Jones, meet Bernadette Speaks on the next Interludes. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Valerie Johnson and Michael Womble, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by our national sponsor, Montevilla, the natural weight loss coffee and tea brewed with MTC oil and Ramon seeds. For more information and to purchase Montevilla coffee and tea, please visit linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Our local title sponsor, A1 Pest Masters, for all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pest Masters, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Interludes.